God, dig that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, repeat after me. Sabrina's Dirty Deeds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm here without my playmate, Jamie <laughs> Burnett, because he's really crooked today. So I've decided to take the plunge and let's see if I can actually manage to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And I have a very special guest who is a dear friend of mine, Steph Crow, who I met many years ago yep. in a very isolated place. So where did we meet, Steph? Well, hi, Sabrina. I trust you with all those buttons and dials and colourful things. Um, I remember I was teaching at Luma, which is in the West Kimberley, and there was a project uh, by E.ON, Edge of Nowhere, to put in community gardens for remote communities. And someone said to me, and Sabrina Hahn's going to be arriving and setting up the garden. And I went, oh, Sabrina, I've heard of her. And I, she's just got to crack up for a laugh. I'm going to get to meet her. You walked into my classroom. I was teaching. You had your, um, you had your blundies on. Yep. And I think pretty dirty knees. And Very dirty. Dirty knees. fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> Scruffier hair than my hair. And you went, hi, I'm Serena. And just straight away I thought, this is a person I really want to know. And, yeah, from then it's just been um, a great I can't let you go. You're just, <laughs> you've been a great friend and support and, you know, Sabrina, what do I do about this? So, yeah, that's when you came into my life. And that was probably 2008 or nine, maybe. What, a, what an absolutely magic and fantastic place to meet someone. Mm. The, the remote communities in Luma are just, um, they're, they're absolute magic. And I still, I still think I am so privileged to be able to, to go to those places. And, of course, you've taught in remote areas for a long time. Yeah, I have. My first posting was in Robin in the 70s. And as a, you know, naive, fresh-faced 21-year-old, I went up there with my husband. We lived in a caravan. It was tough. Robin was really tough. They still had the black and white bar. Um, It was a very racist town. But, you know, I didn't see any of that. We just would go camping and just sail on merrily and have have our weekends away. But, um, yeah, that was the beginning of my remote experience. I always knew I wanted to teach Indigenous kids Mm. on their country rather than in, um, you know, the metro schools or something. So, yeah, that's where it all began. Can't explain why, I just always wanted to do it. But it's, it's fantastic because I think when you work in those remote areas, it makes you, because you're working with Indigenous people, it actually gives you a much greater appreciation of country, of nature. Yeah, I agree. Of, of being where you are and actually the great thing about working with Aboriginal people is they teach you to be quiet Mm. and to observe. Yeah, you have to be be prepared to be quiet, Mm. which is not often what um, Western people do. We like to know everything and say everything. But once you learn to be in the moment and to be mindful of what's around you and to be respectful of what's around you, you just get so much more out of the experience. I mean, I could have gone up there and said, well, I'm going to do this the white way and, you know, bugger everything else is how I'm going to do it. But I went there thinking I'm a visitor in their community and I've come to learn. So I taught, but I learnt a heap. And I, you know, befriended some old girls who still ring me and um, make fun of me and tease me and boss me around. (laughs) But they're just gorgeous, old Polly and Boogera and Nancy. But um, I learnt a lot and I learnt to respect what was there and, th- and, and just be in awe of the fact that they lived off the land 
in good seasons and bad, without shops down the road, without phones to ring up and say, can you deliver? And they, they prospered, those Sabrina. They, you know, 30, 40,000 years, they prospered. So I'm, I have complete respect for Indigenous culture. So, yeah, it was good. I don't want to read about the culture in a book. I wanted to go somewhere where I could experience it. And yeah. I think that's – it's pretty unique. So, yeah, meeting you there was – we were unique together. Oh, we we went out together, didn't we? We did. <laughs> we did. We had an On country? Ball, yeah. Mm. So, I guess um, that, that, that whole thing about being in a remote area and having such close connection with Indigenous people – is probably uh, at the forefront of what you're involved in now because you've moved from the Kimberley way down mm-hmm. south of mm-hmm. Western Australia yep. to a very special little area called Jalora. That is special, yep. And where is, for people that don't know where Jalora is, where is it? Well, we're about 10 uh, minutes drive south of Bunbury on the Bustle Highway, two-hour drive to Perth, so great place to live. But um, we're all on about five acres, special rural, it's zoned as special rural. We have our own rainwater, which is really important because if this um, proposal for the road goes ahead, all of us are going to be affected because we catch all our water off our rooftops. Um, we don't have street lighting, we don't have curbing, but we don't want that. Mm. We all are very like-minded, we're all environmentally conscious, we are all environmentally responsible, um, and we just want to be a part of nature. So where I live in Jalora is unique, um, it's special, we love it, and we, we, don't, um, we don't really want it to change that much, which is sort of normal of most people, they want things to be as they are. Mm. But we're facing a Goliath. Du, so, du, du, du. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I just want to talk about the the, the bushland that's at Jalora mm-hmm. uh, because I know there's some really, really significant old trees there. Mm. So we'll just start with flora, and then we'll talk about the fauna. So this this area of Jalora has been gazetted for um, a road to go through... That's right. Uh, ..since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people will say, well, you know, it was gazetted in 1970. So suck it, it up. Suck it up, put mm. it in. You've all known that it's going to go yep. through. So what's your reply to that? Well, uh, I hear that a lot. We all hear it a lot. Um, if we write a letter to the paper, a lot of the responses are... It's just about NIMBY, you knew it was going to happen. So our reply, which is quite valid, is yes, we knew it was going to happen. We did our due diligence, we contacted the Capel Shire, we contacted Main Roads and we were told it's a regional road, um, it's not going to impact on you very much um, and you know, you'll be able to still have your, maintain your lifestyle. So we thought, well, we can live with a regional road Um, And we're not against roads, because obviously we need roads. But what this has morphed into, the main road's proposal to build the southern bore, um, the Bunbury Outer Ring Road is in three sections, the northern, the central and the southern. The northern and the central have been approved already by the EPA, but our section, um, which contains the Jalorup Corridor, has not yet been approved by the EPA. So that's what we're campaigning against, the Friends of the Jalorup Corridor. Um, and like you said, Sabrina, the corridor, and I've walk, we've walked with Dr. Eddie Wayon, 
um, and other notable people, the BirdLife WA. And the trees we have on there, we have Tewitt, Jarrah, Mary, Banksias, Nutsia floribundas, woody pears, but five species of trees in our corridor have been registered on the National Significant Tree Register. Right. I think I got that right. So they're significant trees and, and a lot of them are actually habitat trees. As you know, habitat tree has to be a certain um, circumference and a certain mm. age for black, um, red-tailed black cockatoos and possums. We have them. We have them all on our doorstep and yet for some reason the proposal of the 1970s and the regional road doesn't consider that those trees have been allowed to grow for the last 40 years. So they're magnificent trees. Um, the western ringtail possum now is critically endangered, only got listed as that a few years ago. So things have changed in 40 years. I don't teach like I used to teach 40 years ago with a spirit duplicator. And <laughs> that's how old I am. And the gestetna that you'd wheel around and around and around and around. You get covered in black ink. So as a student teacher, you think, well, I won't wear white tomorrow. So I don't teach like that. I have friends who are doctors and anaesthetists. They don't do what they used to do 40 years ago. So the, I, the argument of you knew about it, it's been on the plans for 40 years. It doesn't hold water because things have changed. We've got critically endangered animals in that area now. Trees have grown for 40 years. People were allowed to build right up to the road reserve. And people have made their homes there. People have been there for 30 years. So it doesn't hold water to say you knew about this 40 years ago because things have changed and we should be smarter. We shouldn't be building bigger. We should be building smarter. But the other thing apart from all that is that you're looking now at uh, much – you know, areas because of urban infill and that's happened in Bumble mm. and Bustleton and there's all housing developments down there now. So those areas that used to be habitat areas now are housing developments. That's right, yep. So, so in that 40-year period and really when you look at the population growth in Western Australia mm. in the last 40 years and also the housing development that's gone alongside with that. 40 years ago, you could probably go for a walk in a lot of the bush, but a lot of that bush has completely disappeared. That's right. In fact, can I just quote something to you that I heard from our um, information session that we held in Jalora upon Saturday? And I'll just, as a little aside, um, so the EPA have told Main Roads you need to go back and look at the corridor because what you told us that was happening in the corridor is not actually factual. You did desktop surveys, you did them at the wrong time of the year, so therefore you couldn't find the black-striped minnow, which is on an international endangered list. So EPA have said to Main Roads, go back and do, do, do diligence. diligence. So we had an information session on Saturday in Jalorup attended by about 70 people, on helping them write a submission to the EPA to say why the Jalorup Corridor should be saved and should be preserved. So at the presentation, um, Sue Chapman actually has done lots of research and she came up with a quote, if you just let me read it out. It was, yeah. um, according to the Department of Water, Environment and Regulation, annual clearing statistics, the total amount of land cleared in the last 10 years in the southwest land division is 124 hectares. But the whole Bunbury Outer Ring Road project will clear 102 hectares. So that's equivalent 
to 10 years of clearing in just one proposal. So as you say, you know, these possums, when people complain, oh, there's possums eating my roses, well, hello, they have nowhere to live because we're just encroaching on their habitat. Um, and building possum bridges and possum ladders and possum, you know, sky trails doesn't work because as research has shown, possums are very territorial, they will fight to the death and they cannot be translocated. So it's almost like, you know, the people in Jalorup and other people around the in communities who are fighting to keep, you know, to save their environments and there's plenty of those communities around, we've done the research and we know things but um, powers like the main roads, they just say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's only two acres here and three acres there. But that adds up to hundreds of well, hectares in the long term. And it's like the frog in water. Little bit, little bit, little bit adds yep. up to a bloody lot of land. Yeah, and yeah. You, cannot, you cannot offset it by growing little saplings and saying, well, we'll put some little saplings over there for you because, you know, you're going to tell a possum, wait 50 years before you can build you'll, your dray. Honestly, <laughs> you'll get a feed in 50 years' time and slimming is In the so meantime, go and bunk up with your mother-in-law. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, they are now critically endangered. That's true, yeah. So it only takes... So once you break those linkages, mm. we, we talk about corridors, That's habitat right. corridors. So once those linkages are broken, then there is no place for That's them right. to actually breed. Yeah. But what will happen to a critically endangered species if we get bushfires coming through that area? What's well, going to happen? Yeah, Sabrina, now you've mentioned that. I was thinking about that the other day because I was talking about the koala and I cannot believe an iconic marsupial um, could it be in our lifetime go extinct. Okay, the thylacine, we, I wasn't here to fight for it, but koalas. And I thought that a lot of that's due to the horrific fires. But I thought mm. all it needs is a horrific fire in the southwest, which is not, you know, unpredictable. Not yeah, not. Um, and then, you know, those critically endangered um, western ringtails will just be extinct and we'll say, well, you know, we did nothing to help them. So. And we have to think about that now. I mean, who would know that COVID would be would have been here this time last year? Absolutely. So we have to think about all the you know all the um, things that can go wrong. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So yeah. that's yes. what we're doing. We're yeah. just fighting. So um, if people say things like, "Oh, that's okay," because you can just we'll offset that mm. ring road mm. by you know we'll put in a hundred peppermints and three chewets and a couple of banksias. And a partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess your reply to that would be... Well, oh, well I don't think I can say that word that? on air. Ah. But it would be... It'd be like me saying to you, look, I'm taking your home, but that's okay because I'm going to give you some tent pegs. <laughs> I won't give you the canvas. That will come later. That's a good analogy, isn't it? Just thinking about that on the car. <laughs> I'll give you the tent pegs so you know that we're thinking about you. Yeah. Um, I might give you a bit of land, but the canvas will come later. So in the meantime, just, just do sit. the best you can. Yeah. And, you know, we, have, we should have a moral obligation to look after our flora and fauna because I've got grandkids yeah. and I take them through the corridor and I don't want them to now say, I can't go there anymore, but I can take you to look at some asphalt. Because as Mark McGowan said in 2007, when, six, when he was the Minister for the Environment, the greatest threat to biodiversity is roads. And yet we're building this bloody great southern Bumbriata ring road, which is going to flatten, you everything. know, 
Everything, everything. So let's talk about the road. What's the actual purpose of the road? Well, um, it's different people have said different things. It's going to cut something like eight minutes off your trip down to Margaret River. If a whole you, eight minutes. Yes. Oh, God. So that's you can get there a bit quicker. Yeah, you it? can get there a bit quicker. Um, but it's also to do with the Aluka mine and um, the port. So it was always, it's always, it's to do with that as well. But, you know, the, the thing is, Sabrina, there are other alternatives and it's not my job or the Friends of the Jalurup Corridor's job to propose other routes because we're not engineers. But we know that, you know, you would be, if you want to build something like this, you've got to look at all of the alternatives and main roads have actually only compared two alternatives. They've even said the red alternative, which is us, the red alignment, is has more environmental destruction, but we're still going to go ahead with it. And that's Main Road's own document saying that. So environmentally, it's the worst outcome, but we're still going to go ahead with it. So there are alternatives. And I think we're smart enough to be able to look at other alternatives. I mean, I mean, other routes have wetlands and other routes have, um, to it, you know, threatened ecological communities, but the Jalorup Corridor is the worst choice for, um, for this road, for the Southern Bumbriata Ring Road. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking about that magnificent West Australian Christmas tree, the Nutsia Oh, the Nutsia, yeah. That's, that's around 400 that's, years yeah, old. Apparently, yeah. And, and that analogy of the tent peg is really good because you may do other planting somewhere, mm. but 400 years to wait for habitat to no. regrow is a bloody long time. Yeah. Because a possum will not live for 400 years. No. So, and it's not just that. It's the, the red-tailed black cockatoos. There's quenders and fascicales and, and the bees. The bees, yep. you know, a lot of the bees. But the interesting thing, and that, that Nazia floribunda, we call it the victory tree. It's a, just the most breathtaking tree. And it's one of our significant registered tree. But interestingly enough, a couple of the Wadundi elders who walked the corridor with us have told us the story about the significance of the Nutsia floribunda and how it flowers in November, December, and that I, I don't feel that I have the right to tell their story, but it's a significant tree for Indigenous people because it sort of leads the way to um, the spirit moving on. But, you know, as I say, the you can... World. Yeah, it's yeah, not really my yeah. story to tell, but, you know, and I don't know, it'd be like saying, well... Sorry, um, pyramids. We're going to get rid of you because um, we need the land. I mean, this is this is stuff that's tens of thousands of years old. This culture and this history, and we're just sort of um, poo-pooing it and saying, well, you know, a road is a road is better than um, your history of your culture. Yeah, and I think that's disrespectful. Saving, saving eight minutes on a on a trip down the southwest is no. vitally important. Well, depends, <laughs> depends on how busy you are, I suppose. But Do you know, the interesting thing is most people go down south. They go to the southwest of Western Australia. Mm. Why do they go? I mean, there's great wineries. I have You admit. would know about that. <laughs> but people go down there for the nature. Yeah, you're right. So if Perth people think that this magnificent, pristine area is going to be bulldozed out mm. completely mm. and it's not just where the road is because that has an enormous impact mm. on either side of the road um that that will save them eight minutes on their trip people in perth i'm sure would be horrified that mm. this is going ahead to save eight minutes in a car and wiping out 
an ancient woodland, yeah, you, basically. You're so right, Sabrina. I know you've been down there and looked at it. Oh, but fantastic. we, the Friends of the Jalorup Corridor, and we have a website as well, um, we're sort of promoting the corridor as possibly a, a reserve for, you know, when we when – we, if we save it, which we're trying to desperately to do, we think it should be reserved because you can walk through there. The orchids have just finished flowering. Dr. Eddie Wayon was just blown away by the orchids that we have and the height of the, the age of the trees. So, you know, it's something that, as you say, on the way down to Margaret River or Dunsborough, call in at Jalorup, walk through the corridor. Um, we've got striped black minnow, which are on the endangered list as well long as you come in the wet wet time so you know as a perthite you could drive down there call in just past Bunbury enjoy the nature reserve because this time of COVID I think people have realized they can't go anywhere else so let's just look in our own backyard as Mark McGowan has said you know wander down yonder um, so look in your own backyard and Jalorup's only two hours from Perth and we've got we've got you know so many species of trees it's like five Olympic trees in one small area, which is unique. And to have that under asphalt, um, it's, just, it's just criminal and it, it just can't happen. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think one thing COVID has taught us that we have to appreciate what's in our own backyard. That's right. And, uh, you know, to, if you've got... Because uh, I know the friends of Jalora are looking at not locking it off and saying no one can go here. no. The, the whole philosophy behind it is we want to bring people in here so they can appreciate and value mm. the nature that is in this this very narrow area of That's land. right, yep. So you guys sort of have a vision, don't you, to make it as a as a recreational area? We'd, that, we'd, we'd like to make it as an interactive walk. I mean, imagine if we could get some Wadundi elders to come on board and to do the walk and to talk about the Nazia Floribunda and the woody pear, which, you know, ignorant me didn't know anything about how it was the fruit was used. So I think it's respecting another culture. And like we said when I was you know, talking about Luma, I mean, you have to be prepared to listen and to learn and to respect. And I think that makes you grow as a person because you think, well, I'm not on this world just for myself. There's a bigger... There's a bigger part than just me. So our vision is for the corridor to be saved. Um, unfortunately, some of my neighbours have had to go already. Um, they've been, I should say, coerced into selling up their properties, people who've been there for 30 years. And if I don't know if your listeners are interested, Sabrina, but if you wanted to go onto YouTube and check out Robin's story, the Jalorup Corridor, that is a heart-wrenching story about a family that have been the cor- um, on Yolinda Drive in Jalorup for 20-plus years, built their home. We're told by main roads, no, you'll be safe. We're not, we don't need your property. You'll be safe. We're okay. Um, and then to find out last year that, no, we do need some of your property, but you can stay and put up with the freeway noise yeah, or you can go. Going past you. No choice. No choice. Yeah. Um, so Just very... It's very um, – there just seems to be no integrity to some of these government organisations. And, and it's okay to make a decision when, you live, when you're in Perth or Duma House or whatever. But talking about that, we've asked um, the Minister, Safiotti and Mark McGowan, and I know they've been to Bunbury because they've been on our, in our local paper, call in and visit us. We don't, we don't have two heads. We're not going to make voodoo dolls. We just want to show you what we've got and why it's worth saving. And I know Mark – 
Years ago, I listened to him doing a lecture about, and he was talking about his children and how his children want to have an environment that they can enjoy and they want to be recycling and look after the planet. I thought, well, this is a, this is a bloody good way to, to start by looking at what's on your doorstep. And just even from, um, I'm thinking botanically from a plant species alone, to actually co- collect seed from trees mm. that are hundreds of years old is extremely important to have that genetic diversity within plant species. Mm. It's the same, you know, that's why we have seed banks around Mm. the world for all our grain seeds, all our food seeds. It's just as important for biodiversity within um, forest areas that we have the genetic diversity from plants that are, you know, a few hundred years old because the climate is changing. That's right, yeah. These plants have survived that. They've adapted and adjusted and survived to a changing climate. Mm. So in it, botanically speaking, those specimens are vitally important. That's to right, yeah. The, I, and the same with the fauna yeah. because they don't – if you break those ecological linkages yeah. and if, as main roads are proposing, <laughs> we'll put in um, – rope bridges and ladders, yep. it's, 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 it's a band-aid and it won't work. So I think we're smarter than that. I think we should be, like you say, we should be collecting seeds. Imagine if university students could come down into an actual corridor mm. and collect plant seeds and, you know, I mean, it's right there on our doorstep and it just it shouldn't be put under asphalt, mm. that's for sure. No, most definitely. So if people are actually interested <sighs> in um, joining oh, the cause to yes. try and save this particular area, how can they do that? Well, I think um, there's a several ways they can do it. We have a website, um, www.friendsofjalorup.com, and we're posting um, – it's very up-to-date, all our media releases, because we're often right to the paper, yeah. um, all our gallery photos from the, um, in the session we had on the weekend – um, events that are happening because we we're just a little community of people. We all have full time jobs, so we're just a tiny community. So um, anybody could be a member; they can join the, to be a member, and then they'll get sent information and updates. But you know what we'd love people to do, especially Perth people who maybe don't think about us in Jalora as they drive through, is to um, write a submission to the EPA, and you can find all the information on our website to say that, you know, stop, no more bulldozing, no more building roads, let's build smarter, not build bigger. And um, that's got to be due by the 14th of December. But interestingly enough, the that's the state EPA. The federal um, submission is due for four days later. So we think, oh, that's a bit tough, expecting us to do all of that. And these, these pages, Sabrina, are 14 – these books are 1,400 pages long – so nobody wants to read that, but if people want to um, put in a submission, go to our web page, become a member, look at Facebook, and they'll be inundated with um, information because it's something that we all should be caring about, I feel. Now, you'll have to tell people how to spell Jalora because there will be ah. people that live in Perth that wouldn't even have heard of Good Jalora. point. So it's G for Gavin, <laughs> E-L-O-R-U-P. Jalora. It's indigenous. Ah. It means I can't remember, <laughs> but it means something in, <laughs> in indigenous. It means please, talk. please don't destroy Save us. me. Yeah. I think that's what. Well, Steph, it's been marvelous. Yeah, as always, Sabrina. 
to have you down up here in the big smoke. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you and I will get to wander through. Mm, wander down yonder. Wander down yonder. Yeah. Thanks, Sabrina. Thanks, Steph.